Watching at home, DCK Productions proudly brings to you the greatest podcast in the world. Oh, the greatest podcast in the world? Suck it! No, you suck it! No, you suck it! No, you suck it! No, you suck it! I appreciate it if you both suck it. Suck it! We really should stop this fighting. Otherwise, we'll miss the fireworks. There won't be any fireworks. And here we go. And welcome everybody to. Suck it! I am the great and powerful king of kings, prince of all. That is awesome. Derek, how the hell is everybody tonight? It is a Monday, and we are kicking off this week fucking fantastically. Tonight, I've got a fantastic musician on with me, and then Wednesday, I got another one. Um, and then over the course of the next month and a half, we've bringing you 15 more bands to, um, for this amazing, uh, music series that we're bringing to you guys, because, you know, you can't go to shows. So I'm bringing the shows to you, um, along with a bunch of other celebrity guests and, um, you know, fashion designers and the whole nine yards. I got a whole slew of them this week. Um, it's going to be actually be a great week and I cannot wait to get started. Uh, for those of you that joined me earlier today on the first episode of the Mental Health Hour, thank you very much. Um, Kat and I were very, very pleased with that, and um, that is something that we're definitely continue to do. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but you don't hear—you're not here to hear me gab tonight. So, I mean, I mean, well, maybe you are, because I'm pretty fucking cool. And look at this awesome, you know, face. But you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. So tonight, my guest. Hails from Norway, and he is a truly modern-day Viking, poised to take no prisoners as he conquers the hearts, minds, and souls of rockers around the world. Armed with a guitar, this graduate of metal, this graduate of metal 101 constitutes a triple threat as a composer, vocalist, and formidable musician. Please welcome to the show, Rocky Kramer. What's up? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm great. How, how are, are you? you tonight? Pretty good. Doing, I'm it's doing Monday. fantastically. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Mondays suck, but you know what? It's it's days like this that make me happy. Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, let's entertain people. That makes every Monday better. Hey, that's what we're here for, right? Oh, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, so don't forget to uh, like, subscribe, and share this with content. Please don't forget to do that. Um, so, Rocky, how, you know... Um, How's everything been going for you during this whole uh, crisis? I know you've been doing a Twitch stream and other things like that. What else have you got going on? I uh, I just always try to think of things I can do that isn't, uh, uh, well, in front of people. So, 
Yeah, been doing the Twitch thing every Tuesday night, Rock and Roll Tuesdays, mainly because Tuesdays are kind of boring. I feel like that's like the most boring day of the week, except Mondays maybe. So uh, I figured that made sense. Uh, I also been making cover songs. Uh, I will be performing one of them uh, here tonight. And uh, I think that's just, uh, I think that made me feel a lot better because we're stuck at home and I could do something at home that I can share with people instead of like, when we make an album, we spend a lot of time in the studio and then we go on tour or doing a lot of things. Like now I'm just doing something at home and I can put it out right away. Like the moment it's mixed, the moment I made, uh, the moment I finished the video, it's, uh, we, we just put it out. So it, it's kind of exciting to give you something that's really fresh. Because by the time we put an album out, we've already been working on it for, for a long time. And then it's, it doesn't have the freshness as, uh, as these covers have. Like these are just brand new and it gives you an idea of what I'm doing right now. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I kind of like, um, I've talked about this a lot to the other musicians too. I'm really digging right now the whole, um, and I know you just put out an album, um, but you know, the whole idea of just putting out singles or EPs every couple months, because it's like, get it done and you put it out. And then you get it done, you can put it out. Um, Ronnie Radke and Falling in Reverse are following that model now. They're not putting out albums anymore. And I really kind of dig that because like every couple months, they'll put out a new single just when you start to miss them. And then they'll hit you with something else. And then I really dig that model. Um, however, you did just put out a new album. However, your this album that you put out, you could not have put out as singles. Um I just I literally just got done listening to the entire album. I sat down and listened to it from about 6:30 to 7:45 end to end all 12 songs and there was a couple things that i noticed well first thing i did notice i mean obviously number one it is a um it is a concept album which i love concept records um one of my favorite bands in the world does nothing but concept records and that's coheed and cambria um but you did something that was a little bit different than what i thought coheed does um each song that you did literally flowed right into the next song and you didn't even hear a transition. So like I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, am I so, like, this is a long ass song. And I'm like, went from I'm on song number three and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I'm like, this is interesting. So I stopped and went back and listened just to a couple of the end tracks. And, and then to the beginning, I'm like, there's no trend. It's just like one's constant flow. It's like a long symphony. Um, what was your um, inspiration behind that? Uh, well, uh, like like you, I, I also love concept albums, and I think that it's nice to listen to something that is just one piece, one long piece. It's kind of like like a symphony, you know, when you go to a uh, to a to see a classical uh, symphony uh, or a symphony orchestra, uh, which is, I grew up with that with my dad. So that's just something that I wanted to do myself from an early age, especially after hearing Pink Floyd and. Uh, I also am a fan of Dream Theater and a lot of their songs. If you're, and like I listened to them on CDs, you would see the, the, the song, all of a sudden you'd see the go from track four to track five. And, it, and they would, the counter would go back to, you know, uh, you know, zero seconds. And I was like, oh, you know, like I didn't realize it when I'd li listened to it before. So I just like the fact that you can just go from one song to the next without really making people aware of it. Uh, Firestorm was just, Math was this big idea I had when I was 16, and I wanted it to be about uh, a lot of it is about mental health and uh, the dream about becoming a rock star, and uh, it's touching on a lot of issues that I was dealing with as a teenager. 
And it just made sense to make something that feels like one piece because a lot of albums you just hear there's like 12 songs about 12 different things. You know, there's a love song, there's a song about being friends, there's a song about how much you love chocolate, and then there's a song about, you know, clocks or something or some weird something yeah. where any, there's no, like, it's, it's not cohesive enough and you don't really know what, what to feel afterwards. I wanted to make something that makes one statement and that one statement is just how I feel. So I just, it made a lot of sense. And, you know, I think that came across really, really, really strongly in Firestorm. Um, like I said, I mean, I would, I listened to it and I just started listening to it and I just zoned out and it, it just felt like, like, like I could literally watching, you know, a symphony. Um, and it just, it had that feel and that vibe of just, you could feel every note, you could feel every word and you could, it's like you were right there with you writing that song with you. And, and you came across very, very powerfully like that. And I just, I need to commend you on that because I was at first I was like, you know what? I mean, I've, I've heard a little bit of your stuff. You know, I watched a little bit of your stuff on, um, on your Instagram page. Um, you're, you know, you're doing some queen covers and some other stuff like that. I'm like, I, so I really didn't know what to expect. I went in very, very open-minded and I just listened. I was, I was blown away, absolutely blown away. And this um, album needs to get a lot more exposure than what it's getting. Cause you deserve that, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, and and this is coming from a you know hardcore metalhead that listens to like Ice Nine Kills and <laughs> Falling in Reverse and you know all that you know hardcore stuff. So, um, so like I said, I commend you on that. So, um, you're originally from Norway. Um, what brought you here? I I guess the dream of uh, being in a, being a rock musician. You know, I when I was a teenager, I wanted to do this for a living and uh, I was in a lot of bands and we had some success but not enough to really make any noise so I realized that I should probably go where the music industry is very very powerful and very much um, where everything's happening so I wanted to go to the US it was either New York or LA and uh, I picked LA because I like palm trees I didn't I want to do <laughs> I didn't want uh, more winter. I was like, summer all year? Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, and it's funny that you mentioned that you live in L.A. because you and I actually have a mutual friend. Oh. Nicole Carson. It? Nicole Carson. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, remind me, please. Uh, she's a female, um, lead singer of a bunch of different bands, um, half Asian. If I'm okay. sure if you saw a picture of you, you know who I'm talking about. Okay. Because um, when I mentioned that you were coming on, she kind of freaked out. She's like, oh, I'm, he's, one of, he's a friend of mine. So if you saw a picture of her, I'm sure you know who she was. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry for remembering. <laughs> I'm sure she's listening right now going, damn it, Rocky. Damn it, Rocky. <laughs> 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 nah, it's all good. Um, so anyway, um, how long have you been here? Uh, oh, I came here uh, in September, September of 2011. So uh, it's been close to 10 years, actually. <laughs> okay. So um, what took you, why did it take you this long to get this album out? Uh, there's a lot of things. It, uh, it, it's, a, it's a process when you're putting things together. And I, when I first came here, I didn't know anybody. So I had to make the connections and, the first three months I was here, I was basically 
almost ready to give up because I felt so close about what I was doing. It's one of those things where you, you have all these ideas in your head and then like, what it's going to be like. And then when you get there, it's just, you know, none of it happens the way you think it will. And uh, I, after, yeah, about three months, I got in touch with uh, a guitar player named Mike Pinera, who was, was recommended through a, uh, there's a conductor in Palos Verdes who knew I was living with this. I'm, I'm getting getting all messed up here. Let's start from the beginning. That's fine. I I was living with an old lady named Sonia, and when I when I was talking to her about you know I was here studying English and she's saying you don't need to learn English. You speak fine. Uh, you speak uh, very good English. So I said, uh, well, I'm actually here because I want to be in the music industry. So she actually tried to help me. So her friend had he. Uh, uh, her friend had a connection with a conductor in Palos Verdes who had a connection with Mike Pinera, uh, if that explains it. And then Mike Pinera, who was the guitar player for Alice Cooper and Iron Butterfly and so on, he got me in touch with Kim Richards of Allied Artists. And when that connection was made, that's when things were starting to happen. And then he uh, showed my music to Stefan Bauer, who was the one that signed me to Allard Artist Music Group. And that was in 2012. And then we just uh, started working on, there's a lot of things we had to work on. Uh, I was not a trained singer and I needed to take vocal lessons and it was something that was really important. So we spent some time doing that. And uh, I did not have a band and we had to find band members. And my music is very complicated. So finding people that could play it and not just barely play it, but like play it easily was, was, was quite a task. And uh, we auditioned a lot of drummers and we found Alejandro Mercado and Alejandro, who was a great drummer, uh, is a great drummer. He's still a great drummer, maybe better drummer than he was back then. Uh, <laughs> he uh, recommended Michael Dwyer who plays bass. So we were a, a three piece for a little bit had a little bit of a hard time finding a keyboard player because my music, uh, and, and, and a lot of it is my fault because I love listening to, to symphony orchestras. And symphony orchestras have like so many different instruments, right? And there's like 80 people on stage or 100 people, depends on the size of the, of the orchestra. I'm just so used to having all these different instruments in a short amount of time. And when I started writing music, I just like, okay, I'm gonna be a little bit of trumpet right here. And there is like a synthesizer here and there's, uh, you know, timpanis here. And then, you know, when you give this to a keyboard player, it's like, uh, I can't do all that because I got to change the sounds and all that. It's a lot of, a lot of like technical stuff they have to do to accomplish it. And I've learned from that. So I'm trying to reduce the amount of instruments per song, at least, uh, on future songs. But I, uh, spent, I uh, spent quite some time finding we've had a few uh, keyboard players over the years and uh now we got mac grossman who is uh fantastic there's no problem with the switching sounds or anything he just kind of makes it all happen with some uh, some buttons button pushing mm -hmm. cool yeah and, so, uh, yeah so it's funny that you mentioned that you know your sound is weird uh, not weird um it's very complicated to where the fact you have you have to find the right kind of musicians to get that and i noticed that right off the bat um and that's one of the things I dug about your sound is that it's not, you know, 
it, it has an 80s hair metal feel. But at the same time, you mix in some like Grateful Dead and Pink Floyd psychedelic stuff. And then you also have this, like you said, that symphony piece into it. It's it's very it, it's super, super original. And if you go into it thinking this is, you know, your typical rock album, you're going to be surprised. Um, and I like I said, I was um, even though I had read what it was. I read your bio and I you know saw everything that I was. But I still didn't know what to expect. And then, like I said, that first track uh, or excuse me, the second track, uh, Rockstar, is what really kind of was like, you know, especially like the three quarters of that song is just is just music. There's no there's no singing to it. And all of a sudden you hit it with the music and then it kind of flows right into um, alcohol. And that's like it, it's it's just something like I've never I haven't seen like that, something like that in a really, really long time. And it's just it's spot on amazing. So Thank I can definitely, I can definitely see why it took you this long to get to that point. Yeah, uh, I mean we we were in the studio we were in the same studio where Metallica recorded the Black Album, which was called One on One back then. Now it, uh, it's called Seventeen Hertz because it, it's been through a few uh, changes of owners. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of my my dreams, you know, to be in that studio because I was watching the Metallica. If you remember the a year and a half in the life of metallica Correct. yep they, they were recording the black album uh all on video yep i, I remember watching, watching that. that yeah uh th I, that was like one of the things that i watched that that documentary probably you know 100 times along with there's another one called some kind of monster yep. which is when they were recording the sync anger album which is a completely different story but um yeah to me Much. watching watching a rock band if i can call them that uh i, I they don't usually like being called a rock band, but uh, just watching a band in the studio was something magical to me because I'd never really seen it, seen it before. I didn't really know what it was all about. I'd been in a recording studio and I knew what it was about, but uh, seeing a band make an album was very inspiring. So I knew that studio very well. And it was like the one, one of the few studios I knew about before I moved here. And then it happened to be that uh, we were rehearsing right next door. as a place called Amp Rehearsal. That's where we rehearsed the entire album. And uh, uh, Kim Richards, who produced the album, said, you know, I produced an album here in the, the 80s. And he's pointing at the studio. And I'm like, I'm not thinking. And then he's saying, it's called one-on-one. -on -one. I'm like, whoa, 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 one-on-one? Whoa, one? And I'm thinking, there's only one one-on-one, -on -one, right? Mm -hmm. And... And it all made sense. All of a sudden, it's like, this is the studio where Metallica uh, recorded that album. And, and it's just amazing. And then uh, it was, at the time, I think it was right when they changed owners and they hadn't opened up yet. Or it was, I think, it, going through sort of a transition. It was sort of like half open. Uh, so we, we talked about it. And I think maybe a month later, the door was open. Somebody was there. And we said, is this studio... Uh, opening and like uh, open to the public and uh, and the, the person that's like yeah it is you know and so we got a card or something we went back for a tour of the studio which i think was like uh maybe two months before we went in there and uh it was just like, like oh my god this is so cool being able to see it and then we just knew that okay we have to record it here because uh it's uh, for those of you who don't know the studio very well, who haven't seen the, the documentary. And by the way, there's a documentary of us recording there. If you want to compare shots and compare um, 
uh, you know, compare the two. Uh, we weren't going for the same exact same sound as they were, but uh, you can see a lot of similarities. But it's a very big room, and it's a great room for uh, drums. So that's kind of why it became famous, is because it's got big uh, drums in there. Like Motley Crue was there, Kiss were there, and uh, a lot of great records. I think the, is it Dr. Feelgood was recorded there? Crazy Nights. Yeah, yeah like Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. yeah, so uh, those are some you know amazing albums. So that studio has a, a great amount of history, and uh, uh, Kiss also recorded the Psycho Circus there, which was when it was uh, private. They were allowed by Yoshiki, who owned it at the time. Um, so it, it's, uh, just a, it's just a lot of fun being there. It was a great time. We recorded, when we mixed the album, we were at a place called Sphere, which used to be in England, but they, I guess they just took a helicopter and lifted up the studio, took it, <laughs> uh, brought it all the way to, uh, I think it's in Burbank. And uh, we were there in Lincoln Park, we're in the other room, uh, in the big big room, uh, recording their last album with uh, Chester. It was kind of uh, I saw something about Chester today on Twitter. I think it's uh, like three years since he passed. Is it? Is today the uh, day? I think today is the day. The day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I, I can't believe it's been. Oh my god! It's been three years. So it's kind of weird. Like like I was there. Like he was there in like the kitchen where we were eating. You know, like it's so crazy to. Uh, at least have met him before uh, he, uh, well, he killed himself. It was very sad. Yeah. Very, very, tough. very, very I sad. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons why I started the show is, you know, cause of that kind of stuff, you know, the high profile, um, you know, all the, the suicides and all the high profile mental health issues that we've been plagued with society and stuff like that. And I, you know, one of the main things I did was, um, you know, bringing on celebrities and, you know, musicians and stuff like that. And us, you know, sprinkling in, not a whole conversation about it, just a sprinkle of that kind of mental health stuff to, you know, to kind of show the everyday average Joe that they're, they're not the only ones that struggle. And I think, you know, yeah. with Chris, the Chris Cornell stuff and then almost immediately after with the Chester stuff, you know, it's, um, it, it, it brought the light to a lot of different things. And, you know, I commend a lot of different bands that are now starting to talk about it. You know, Bad Flower came out with Ghost um, in, in 2018, you know, and that was the year I almost committed suicide. And if it wasn't for that song, I probably wouldn't be here. Um, and then mm -hmm. in December, you know, Falling in Reverse came out with Popular Monster. You know, um, a couple years ago, um, Nothing More came out with a song, Jenny, about his sister. There's so many good songs out there that are talking about recovery and mental health and stuff like that and it's just a it it needs to be more of a focus in the music industry because because of because of chester because of you know um chris cornell and all the other ones um so yeah and that that's awesome that you got to meet him before he passed so um that that must have been a, a big thing for you um how long were you actually at 101 recording the album uh we were there I would say for at least a year. Maybe. Uh, I think it was like close. I would say about a year and a half. We weren't wow. there every day, like like Metallica, but because uh, Metallica, I think they just had the studio to themselves for about of course year or year and a half or so. Uh, but we were we recorded. I think we recorded everything there, as far as I can remember. And 
we spent most of the time we, we basically recorded all the all the basic tracks in about two days we spent one day just just getting drum sounds just getting sounds then we spent another two days just doing the basic tracks and then we had uh we had a session we had a real b3 which was cool. It was a great B3. It had been on tour with uh, the Ringo Starr band. Oh, wow. All band. So it was a great sounding. We, we were looking for one that had a uh, like an output, like a jack, so you could plug it into the guitar amp, which happened to be the amp we were using was uh, owned by, or used to be owned by, uh, System of a Down. There's a lot of little, little, little stories uh, with this album. So uh, System of a Down is, is a cool band. Of course, and and uh, we uh, we had the real strings. We had uh, we had a lot of people just screaming Rocky. There's a there's, it's in the documentary. You can see. I think you can see everything we did in the studio. And of course, we spent a lot of time recording vocals. I do a lot of the vocals. I mean, obviously, I'm doing the leads, but I'm doing most of the backups. But we also had the band doing backups. But we did that in like one day. I think we had we brought them all in like one day. And uh, just had them all sing, but I think everything was done by then. And we we re-recorded a few things, and uh, like Rockstar, we changed a few things. Uh, just to it was, it was an idea. Like Rockstar was originally like I'm a rock star, and it was oh boy every time, uh, and oh boy. But then we changed it to with style and leather and so on, so it's more descriptive. Yeah, uh, because it made more sense for like a music video, and it, it's a dream. So people don't, if you're listening to Rockstar for the first time, uh, it's a dream sequence, which is helpful if you watch the video. You'll see that it's like an animated little Rocky that is dreaming about being a rock star. So the lyrics are "I'm a rock star," but it's not really saying "I'm a rock star" because I know some people they they give me a hard time about that. But uh, it, 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 it's not about arrogance. It's just about a dream. You're a teenager dreaming yeah. about being a rock star. I just want to make that very clear uh, so that nobody uh, misunderstands that. I was going to say, I think in the actual song itself, if you pay close attention to the actual beginning of it, you can hear that he's in class. And you can right. kind of hear him drifting off to sleep. And, and then his, his teacher's still talking. And then the, the Rocky, Rocky, you know, chanting ah, in the background. Yeah, and then it kind of slowly fades out. So I think you can. I mean, I I caught it that way. So I, I mean, but I guess Good. not everybody will. Yeah, it's uh, I, the the most I got the most complaints. We did a little like a little thirty second uh, commercial for the album, and you're just hearing "I'm a rock star" with style. And uh, there were some comments saying, you know, if you if you say you're a rock star, you're not really a rock star. You know, like, uh, okay, all right. Just watch the video when it comes out, you know? Is that, <laughs> then maybe that's why everyone hates Nickelback, now that I think about it. <laughs> I don't know why they get so much hate. I mean, they seem like decent people. I don't know. Yeah, they, get, they, get, they get the most amount of hate of anyone. Yeah, I mean, they get the most amount of hate out of everybody in the in the rock world. <laughs> um, so, you know, being that you were at that studio and you saw the, you know, the year and a half you know, um, the Metallica documentary making the black album. Um, you know, there was a lot of cool things that they did in after effects after everything was recorded, you know, like in, uh, um, unforgiven, they used a shotgun, you know, clicking, you know, um, they did a bunch of other stuff. Did you take any 
did you do anything similar to that since you're like, you know what, I'm here, might as well do something similar just to kind of as, a, as an homage to them? Or did you do anything like that at all? It's funny you say it because I was thinking about it. We didn't, uh, we didn't actually bring uh, in anything crazy like that. Uh, would have been cool though. That would have been a cool idea. But uh, I, I was thinking about uh, bringing in a, a rifle or something just to, just as an homage uh, to Metallica. But I don't know. It's uh, it, uh, there weren't. Uh, we have we we do have a lot of sound effects on the album, but everything is kind of, you know, something that somebody else recorded. So. Uh, we didn't attempt to record much ourselves. The Rockies we recorded though. We recorded the Rocky. Yeah, yeah. that we did. Gotcha. Hard. <laughs> um, now, one of the things that um, bothers me, even about some of my favorite bands, is that when you know it's a you know the lead singer um, is basically does all the composing and all the other stuff. Um, even if their name isn't in the band, and I'm not going to mention who I'm talking about specifically, um, they take all the credit and basically say, you know, this is my music. This is my CD. This is my album that went gold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and only say, yeah, the guys are, you know, I couldn't do it without the band, but at the same time, they couldn't have done it without me. And this is my stuff. Um, how do you go into, how do you feel about that? And how are you, and how are you in your band that kind of stuff. Cause I know you do a lot of composing, but are you guys all intertwined with it? Do you listen to everything or do you just kind of say, Hey, this is how it is. It's uh, definitely something that starts out with me writing everything out on a computer. And uh, the first demo that I make is something I made. Uh, I use a program called guitar pro and uh, people that do professional notation, they probably laugh when I say that. But it's actually a very good program. You want to add a lot of like guitar stuff, like bends and 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 like little nuances that are more important to a guitar player. And I can add that in my um, and and I can look at it, and it'll generally sound pretty close to what it will uh, sound like when you play it. So I will do that with all the instruments. So the first thing that my band will hear, they'll hear something with everything already arranged. Now, does that mean they don't add anything to it? No. And I would say with this album, and I'm, uh, you know, and we're going to make another album pretty soon. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping more of this, hoping that there'll be more of this uh, on the next one, is that when they listen to it, they do add their own touches to it. And, and sometimes they'll say, well, what if we change this to like, you know, change this a little, little bit it's not major changes and it's not like enough to 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 get a credit for it but they add little, like if you listen to the drums the drums are actually very interesting because there's a lot of little little like uh accents that are actually complementing what the guitar is doing or maybe there's a melody uh maybe there's a keyboard melody that it's, it's complementing and it's just doing all these little things that just uh things that i wouldn't have thought of but it actually made me think more about how to write drums to complement other instruments and, and put more emphasis on what you're hearing, but adding a percussive element to it. And uh, uh, Michael on bass, who I think have he has great ears when it comes to music. Like he he listens to music, he hears things that uh, kind of 
prevents me from doing like little stupid things like on can you feel it this part where i was kind of just repeating the same melody over and over again and he and he said you know why don't you change it up a little bit and that's all he said but it, the moment he said it i said you know i know exactly what to do and i changed it to something that was a little different and i think it, it benefited from it and now that i listened to like well i haven't listened to it recently but when i listened to the like the original demo i was like oh yeah it, it is like like kind of repetitive in, in a way that i I don't. Uh, I want to try to avoid in future material. Um, keyboards definitely are a lot because a lot of my a lot of my keyboards are just kind of big pad here, big pad here, and then there's a melody here, and uh, it's kind of uh, I, when a keyboard player looks at it, it's like they start adding in little rhythms and little accents and stuff that makes it a little more interesting to listen to on its own and definitely makes makes it more interesting as a, as a cohesive unit. So it's just, uh, I think it's just uh, giving them the opportunity to play play the music themselves with their ears, with their fingers, and just add what comes natural to them. I do say no once in a while. I say, you know what, you probably shouldn't do that. But then other times it's like, you know, that actually does make the song better. So that's really, I try to keep ego out of it and just like, okay, what's best for the song? And uh, maybe just see what everybody feels about it. Uh, but uh, I am definitely the, I am the songwriter. I am the composer. And that's kind of, uh, there's definitely a, like, that's important to me as, a, as a, like having my vision. But I, I don't want to pretend like it's just me and nobody else. Because there, there exactly. is, so. Yeah. And the reason why I asked that is because, you know, a fellow Scandinavian, um, you know, who wears white face paint and, you know, goes up on the stage like and acts like the Pope, um, you know, has that similar thing to where, um, you know, but it's it's Ghost LLC and he's Tobias Forge is the only person that's a part of that company and everyone else is expendable, you know, you know, and I can fire you and hire you as you please. It's nice to hear that you actually you know, your band is your band and you don't treat them as just expendable employees. Like, like Tobias Forge does. <laughs> um, he was, I didn't want to mention him, but you know, I, I kind of felt the need to. <laughs> um, so uh, you said you guys are getting ready to write another album. Yes. Definitely. How far along in that process are you guys? Well, I, you know, I'm a I'm a big I'm big on writing songs. I write songs all the time, so I have lots of songs. And this album that we're uh, going to be recording, hopefully pretty soon. I'm not sure if it'll be this year or not. It depends a little bit on on the the current situation because we're trying to stay safe, but uh, we also don't want to uh, sit around doing nothing, right? I want to try to uh, uh, look ahead. And since we can't go on tour, which is something that we wanted to do this summer, uh, it makes sense to more look um, uh, just try to do something for the next album. It's uh, this album is actually the first album I wrote. I shouldn't say that, it's not the first songs I ever wrote. It's not like boop, 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 boop. Uh, it, it is. Uh, it was the first album I wrote uh, in consideration for a, like a solo artist type of thing where I'd like finally figure out what I wanted to do. So they, they are, 
Uh, it's a different album. I kind of went in and looked at it again last year, I think, or maybe it was before that. I think it was the, be- well, it was the beginning of, of last year, 2019. I just looked at it again and kind of repolished it. And I sent the music out to my band members in, I think it was like October. They've already heard the music. They already know what it's about. And uh, hopefully we can get together soon and start rehearsing it. So the music is done. It's just a matter of playing it together because there's a big difference between writing a song on your computer and actually performing the song with a band. So that's the thing that I want to do. And I really want to make sure that the music sounds good live because it's easy to, especially when it's progressive, it's very easy to write a lot of stuff that sounds really good when it's perfectly mixed. But then when you're playing live and the keyboards might be low or the guitar is low or, or something's you know, not right, uh, it doesn't have the same uh, powerful sound that it would have. So I'm just trying to think of like, even like simplifying, but without, without changing the genre, but just kind of try to keep it a little bit simple and not go crazy in any direction, but still you know, be creative. It, I think it's a, it's a fun album. It's also uh, talking about mental health. I'm kind of, I like to write songs about uh, mental health, I guess, which uh, in some ways I was even, uh, I think I was even a little bit embarrassed about that for a long time. But I feel like, especially now, like right now, people are becoming more open about talking about issues. I, I just feel like the music industry has always been about, I'm so perfect, there's nothing wrong with me type of a mentality. And it's just so wrong. Like I've, I've read a lot of autobiographies or just biographies in general about people in the music industry, people that had a lot of success. And it's amazing how dark it gets with almost everybody whether it's because of drugs or because of things going on in their lives it's just amazing to see how much is covered up by the you know they they create this public persona and that it's just not real and i think it's important to talk about what's real absolutely yeah no i 100 like i wholeheartedly agree with you like i said before you know ghost i mean no yeah um bad flower came out with ghost um you know Falling Reverse came out with, uh, you know, Popular Monster. Uh, Nothing More came out with Jenny. And even Coheed and Cambry on their most recent album um, had a song that wasn't really, me- well, it kind of was mental health related. Um, but, you know, uh, the the song, I can't think of the song off the top of my head. Um, oh, Pavilion, A Long Way Back. So that's a song about him thinking about quitting the band and all the trials and tribulations of being on the road. And, you know, now he has a son who, by the way, is a, gorgeous little kid <laughs> and um you know him so that you know that whole thing that he went through during that whole um writing process and how he was thinking about quitting the band completely and just being a comic book writer and so th- there's a lot going on with that so dude you know just from a small podcaster who's just starting to build his name up there's nothing to be fucking embarrassed about last wednesday last wednesday I'm sitting, um, I do an interview with Scott Page, you know, former member of Toto, former member of, you know, Pink Floyd, former member of, uh, you know, Super Tramp. And we do our interview. It's a great interview, an hour long. And then my bipolar kicks in right after that interview. And I literally have a half an hour breakdown. 
literally crying and just complaining on the air for 30 minutes. And you know what I did? I literally clipped that piece out and I tweeted it for the world to see because I wanted everyone to see what bipolar really is and what, you know, I didn't care about, you know, any feedback. I didn't care about any extra press or any extra views or anything. No, I wanted people to say, hey, look at what he just went through. He had a nice long conversation with a, you know, a, a super famous guy who was super smart guy, really nice guy and had a fantastic interview and then still had a great breakdown at the end of it. It, it, I'm not ashamed of it in any which way, shape or form. So, you know, my hats off to you, you know, for continuing to fight that battle because as a mental health advocate, as someone who suffers daily, it's nice to meet people that are on my page like you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you're, you're willing to talk about it. It's a, uh, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice, uh, it's a breath of fresh air in this industry. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I'm not afraid to talk about it, and I'll continue to talk about it till the day I die. Because, you know, of my, you know, my new numbers came out. Um, of my 15,000 listeners a day, if I'm helping just one, um, I don't, you know, then my job is done. And yeah. it's it's that's all I care about. That's all I care about. Um, so enough of us yapping. <laughs> We've got a we got a whole slew of people waiting to hear you and your, you know, your beautiful voice uh, play for us. So, how many songs you got prepared for us for tonight? I have, I have. So, what I wanted to do is, uh, and I'm now messing with my computer here. Uh, oh, I I messed it up really bad. Okay, hold on one second. There we go. Uh, so I I wanted to do one cover and I want to do uh two originals. Perfect. Uh, so I hope that will be pleasant. Absolutely. I mean, with the, when it comes to this, this, like I said, concert series, and we talked last night, not really a concert series. It's more like a music profiling type situation. When it comes to the national acts, you guys can do whatever you wish to do. As far as these unsigned acts that I got coming on, you know, I want them to bring it and bring it hard because they're trying to get signed based off of what they do here. But you guys are just here to entertain the masses while the other people are here to try to, bring it so you do what you do best and i'm not gonna say a damn word um so the, the floor is the floor is yours i'm backing out i'm taking myself off the screen and you can just go okay. at it butter all right let's uh let's let's do it okay so let me just move things around a little bit so i can see hopefully you can hear this i just want to do a little sound check uh did you hear that? Hopefully. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, you're good. You heard that. Okay, good. Then, uh, then we should be fine. So this is uh, my. This was my first cover of. Uh, okay, wait. Hold on a second. I, I did something bad. Okay, this was my first cover that I did uh, at the beginning of the year, and I've been. I kept. Uh, I've kept uh, doing covers since then. Uh, this is by Pink Floyd. Comfortably numb. Let's see if we can get this going. May have to change the levels a little bit. Hello! Is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. 
Is there anyone at home? Come on, now, now. I hear you feeling down. Well, I can ease your pain. Get you on your feet again. Relax, relax. I'll need some information first. Just the basic facts. Can you show me where it hurts? There is no pain you are exceeding. A distant ship's smoke on the horizon. You are only coming through in waves. Your ship's blue, but I can't hear what you're saying. I'm trying to get my guitar in there, you know. When I was a child, I had a fever. My hands felt just like to the moon. Now I've got that feeling once again. I can't explain, you would not understand. This is not how I am.
Okay, that was comfortably numb. Um, and it keeps going. It keeps going. Sorry about that. It's on an autoplay. That's not good. So next one I want to do is called Can You Feel It? I wrote this song uh, well, for this album, for the Firestorm album. This is an original, the first original uh, for this evening. And I wrote this song about it's called can feel it but it's really a song about going from depression into apathy so the feel it is more about not feeling it. it's more about the the feeling of not feeling so that is my short introduction to that song gonna go straight into it there's a little i'm having a little bit of help on this one with uh with another guitar because uh it starts out with a guitar on its own this backing track is actually with my band right before we went into the studio to record the song. So without further ado, can you feel it? I'm wondering how I got here. Cause I never wanted to be here I begged you to go away But now I wish you had stayed Can you feel it? Can you feel it? The way I do The darkness was always there I was the one who was hiding The child always in tears A man facing
I was my my in ears was falling out. That's that's so weird. That never happens. Um, let me just fix that. It's kind of like falling down here. Okay, there you go. Okay, I got one more, one more song. This is called Rockstar. This is uh, slightly different than the the one that's on the album. It's sort of a hybrid of uh, I did like a synth pop version, and uh, but this one has a. Uh, it's got some fresh backups and it's got some, uh, it's a little more synthy, a little more 80s. So hopefully this uh, will make people happy. Um, I also forgot to tune my guitar down. So let me just fix that. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll start the song though. Here we go. Rockstar.
even when I'm high, I still feel very low, 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 low. Damn, man. Oh, my God. You know, that I, was, I don't know. <laughs> um, no, it was it was perfectly fine. I mean, for the setup that we have, I mean, and, you know, what StreamYard's capable of pulling off, I, I, I give you two thumbs up on that, buddy. So um, it, here's the thing. So I'm going to be honest with you, man. You just have, like, you definitely bring a sense of, queen um pink floyd and a lot of different things man your your sound i, I mean at some points i could have closed my eyes and thought i was listening to to queen and listening to freddie mercury um you know and that's that's just a testament to to who, to who you are i mean nobody could ever be freddie mercury again ever no, no, of course not. No, but when you, but occasionally with a, that type of artist, you can close your eyes and you can hear snippets and you can hear that influence. And I definitely heard that influence. And you, um, you, if I was what you were trying to emulate in any which way, shape, or form, trust me right now that Freddie's clapping up in heaven for you right now, bud. Well, I think my, my uh, two biggest vocal coaches were Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson. <laughs> And listening to what they were doing, it's just uh, it's always a big inspiration for me. So. Well, they're both clapping up in heaven for you right now, bud. Um, dude, you are a talented, talented, talented man and even a kindler soul. Um, kindler? That's not a word. <laughs> an even kinder soul. Um, dude, I appreciate the last hour of your time. Um, you've definitely impressed me, and I know you impressed my audience. We were having a great conversation um, in my chat while you were, uh, you know, on, and I'm telling you what, man, you know, it's, a it was an honor and a privilege to have you on. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun. It really was. Um, and I hope one day, you know, with your next album release, I get to have you back on and we can talk some more. Hey, yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Sounds brother. Cool. But, um, guys, you can check out Rocky tomorrow, um, on Twitch at, uh, twitch.com, speak twitch.tv forward slash Rocky Kramer. You can also catch him on Instagram at Rocky Kramer, um, and uh, follow him on all there just to kind of get where he's at and what he's doing next. Trust me, he puts out a lot of good stuff that you can follow. So Rocky, man, I, again, I appreciate you. Um, and I cannot wait to see what you do next. 
hey, hey I'm, I'm looking forward to do what's next. <laughs> we yeah. all are now. <laughs> I can tell you that much. We yeah. all are now. <laughs> all, right. Oh, yeah. all right, man. Well, you have a great rest of your night, and, and we'll definitely talk soon. Thank you. Really, thank you for having me. Have a good night. Hey, you too now. I appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, what a great guy. What a fabulous guy. Um, yeah, he does have a five octave range. He's too shy to say it. I can hear it too. Um, and he's still he's still on. He can hear what we're saying. Um, but yeah, that guy has a great voice. Um, and like I said before, I could definitely hear um, Freddie in his voice. And that's just, you know, something you don't hear very often. Um, and as we said, you know, there'll never be another Freddie. Um, however, you know, to someone that can pull off anything that remotely close to that, is is a talent is a talent um all right so to keep that whole um thing going i'm gonna go ahead and uh, show you guys real quick here um just this is the uh, summer concert dates um that i have lined up so far cards subject to change uh, more bands will be added so um on july 28th um my former guest who i had on a couple weeks ago kimberly kimberly dawn will be on july 29th kings of the wild things July 30th, Impulses. So next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three wonderful bands ready to kick some ass. The following week, uh, rap artist Jay Sun will be on. Uh, the week after that, we have on August 12th, Unchained, and August 13th, Words for Hands. August 19th, Eben Nova. August 20th, Once Revealed. August 25th, Michael Waski and the Underground Weathermen. Um... August 26th is Pillbox and August 27th is Foglings. Um, the band that cover that does my first, that does my intro, um, Flying Jacob, I should have an answer for about what date they're going to be on on Wednesday. Um, we'll kind of go from there. But again, I still have a couple more bands I'm waiting on dates from. So this will be um, subject to change and added. Um, hopefully no one drops out. But as of right now, it's, you know, we're going to still be adding bands to this. So this is the tentative list. Um, all bands will be scheduled for nine o'clock you know after the uh, celebrity interview at eight um kind of like a tonight show type vibe um and they will be bringing full full concert you know full stage gear because those all, most of those guys except for with the exception of uh, jason and uh, kimberly dawn are all unsigned local acts from the maryland dc virginia orlando uh west virginia areas um that are here just to make it you know impress you guys and bring you know music to the masses um so they're gonna bring it and bring it hard so definitely check out look for um check out for those and um all right we'll get be right back with uh a rant that's really kind of bothering me we'll get back to you guys in a second commercial break Guys, ever wonder how I get this manly beard looking so good? It's all because of Viking Revolution. And at Viking Revolution, not only can you get some great beard bombs, but you can also get some great beard oils, as well as some awesome quick shower pads, which helps prevent you stanking up after the gym. Also, these great wet wipes, which help prevent, you know, stanking after you know, going doo-doo. And also some pomades and some other great products all at Viking Revolution. So do yourself a favor, go to dcproductions.com forward slash sponsors, click on the banner, and get yourself some of these great products. Viking Revolution, join the revolution. All right, guys, and I'm here to talk to you about BetterHelp. 
Um, BetterHelp is an app that is available worldwide. Um, you can use it anywhere in the world. You simply download it on your phone and you can contact your your therapist at any given time, send them a message at two or three o'clock in the morning, whenever you're feeling down. Um, BetterHelp helps you through every step of the way. They make sure that they match you with a counselor that strictly matches what you need and goes and make sure that they go extra the extra mile to make sure that you are taken care of. Again, you can message them at any given time of the day and they will respond back as soon as they can. Plus you also have your weekly sessions. It's just amazing. You know, no more waiting rooms, no more trying to find, you know, the perfect, you know, therapist by going on to your, you know, your, your healthcare website and then searching and searching and searching and calling and calling and calling and then finding out that that person isn't right for you. BetterHelp avoids all that. So please go to betterhelp.com forward slash SIPod for 10% off your first month. Again, that's www.betterhelp.com forward slash SIPod for 10% off your first month. Again, that's not suck it podcast. It's SIPod. So forward slash SIPod. Better hope. Trust me. You should definitely need to do it. All right. So enough with the sponsor talk. So yesterday I'm sitting there. I'm getting ready to write out my monologue for today. And so I'm sitting there flipping through news story after news story after news story. And something caught my eye, and I hate having to talk about this guy. I really, truly do. However, this is only going to personify exactly one of the reasons why he's hated right now. Um, so over the weekend, Trump said that... Um, if he does not win the election or I'm paraphrasing. So I think, you know, make sure you understand that I'm paraphrasing that he might not accept the results of the election. And that all of the polls, even though every poll, even one done by Fox news, his favorite news source say that he's trailing in the polls and he's now he's going, you know, as far as saying that all polls are fake news. Even the, you know, the, the election itself, he, he called fake news. Where is the line? You know, us as Americans, we have to rely. Yes, we, we know politicians are liars. We know that. But when every freaking time, you know, a scandalous thing comes out or every time a poll or a interview or anything else that comes out that's not in that particular politician's favor comes out. It's now automatically fake news. What if it's true? And, and if the facts are there to back it up. And, and the thing that pisses me off the most about it is, you know, excuse me, I'm not a Biden fan. I think right now, either way, we're screwed in the election. Um, however, one of the things that bugs me the most is that he's sp spreading fake news right now, talking about how, you know, Biden is um, wants to defund the um, the police. And he signed a pact with Bernie Sanders or charter, excuse me, to, to defund the police. And he was talking with somebody, I can't remember who it was. And on air, he, he called the president out and said, that's not true. There's nothing in that charter about it. And the president pulled the charter and couldn't find anything about it. But yet he still goes on there that same day and tweets about it. So even though he got called out in a lie and got proved that he was 
proved wrong in that lie, he still goes out and tweets about it. He's spreading the fake news more than the organizations are. I mean, you got to remember, this is also coming from a man who in the midst of, um, you know, Black Lives Matter when it first started and there was rallies going on in the streets of D.C., he tear gassed a fucking uh, group of people that were protesting in front of a church just so he can have a photo op. How can we trust our leaders? Again, I don't trust Biden either. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying I'm... I'm a straight down the middle type of guy. I do think some of the things that Trump has done is good. So, but that's, I'm going to leave it at that. It's not very much, but I do believe that there's some things that are, you know, are good, but I do believe that he's also setting himself up for success once he gets out of office, especially with some of these treaties and other, you know, tax things that he's done as well. Uh, but that's beside the point. The, the whole point is where is the line? The fact that he said that he might not accept the results of the election. Really? And he, he even said that four years ago, too. So I do want to go ahead and point that out. He even said four years ago that he would not accept um, the results of the election unless he won. That is a quote from four years ago. Again, where do we draw the line? It is, it's a sad, it's a sad reality where we're in this position to begin with, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's LGBTQ rights, whatever, whatever the case might be, it is sad that we are divided on these main issues, especially COVID when AIDS and cancer and all this other stuff divided on party lines about people's lives. And I'm not talking about, you know, whether marijuana should be legal or how much taxes we have. I'm not talking about those types of lives that we live. I'm talking about actual, the life, the life of the person. Where is that line? Because obviously right now it's down party lines and that is, shouldn't be happening. When are we going to get back to being just fucking Americans instead of Republicans and Democrats? When? Thousands of people are dying every day right now from whether it be cancer, AIDS, Corona, you know, even the common cold and the flu virus. People are dying and we can't come to grips with that because we have to be, you know, side with the party that we're on and whatever the case might be. You know, I had a conversation last week or two weeks ago, two weeks ago with um, Ben Milliken who's Australian, who came here and he was in shock that what's insurance? You mean to tell me I have to pay for this? You know, it's, it's a, it's an, it's an, it's a thing that happens. You know, people always complain, oh, we can't do that because look at what Canada's healthcare is. Look at what Australia's, you know, look at all this blah, 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 wait times and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What, the reason why they have wait times is because you know, it happens. We have wait times here. <laughs> um, you know, whatever. I mean, I knew somebody who was an American citizen but had dual citizenship in Canada just to make sure that he got to have free health care whenever he wanted. He liked living in Florida. He just enjoyed living in Florida, but he still wanted his Canadian health care. 
So he got it. And he went back home every time he needed a procedure done. Um, you know, I was talking to um, Sherry Nelson on Thursday, on Friday, and we were talking about the whole COVID situation and about how, you know, do our, does our governor, does our, do our governors, do our president and senators and, you know, congressmen, do they really want to find a cure for COVID? Or is there more money in keeping us sick? Is there more money in keeping us at home? Yes, they're paying thousands and I mean billions and billions and trillions of dollars in economic relief. But at the same time, that money is going right back into the economy. So is it really costing us anything? Now, I don't have facts. I don't have numbers. This is my opinion. This is just me ranting. Um, so don't sit there and say I'm wrong. I might be wrong. That's not the point of this conversation. The point of this conversation is where do we draw the line? When can we honestly say that, yes, I fully believe in a politician, that I fully believe in a, that a politician has my back? You know, I don't think it's ever going to happen in my lifetime, and I'm almost 40, and that's a sad realization especially when it comes down to healthcare issues. You know, they say, oh, we can't do that because we're America. So what does that have to do with anything? Really? You know, it's the most dumb thing ever. That basically just means that we're not smart enough as everybody else. So that's a dumbass argument because we're smart. We're supposed to be smarter than them. But so that means that these dumb, smaller countries that, you know, couldn't figure it out. Okay, they can figure it out, but we can't or we just don't want to because it's there's not enough money in it and we're going to lose money in the process. <clears throat> the whole point is it's an election year. We, you know, um, my my lovely, beautiful. uh Co-host Kat just said, we should be able to do it because we are America. You're right. 100%. Um, the point is, again, our own president said he's not going to trust in the system if he gets doesn't win the election. And he's already calling for voter fraud. The, the election hasn't even happened yet. He's already calling for voter fraud, saying that, you know, um, the mail-in ballots cause could cause, and I do agree with that to an extent, to an extent. However, we've been doing mail-in ballots for fucking ever. Only now it's a problem now that he's going to have to have the most amount of people do mail-in ballots. I mean, really? So it could, you know, the voter mail fraud has been going on for years. As far as I'm, as far as I know, um, you know, oh, but only now is it's a problem. Only now it's a problem. So it's it's it, it terrifies me on what we're doing wrong in this country, what we're doing right in this country. Because then even the stuff that we're doing right, who the fuck knows what we're really doing? We're but we're supposed to be defending our country and supposed to be building this thing. We're supposed to be the biggest superpower in the world, but we look like fucking idiots right now to the rest of the goddamn world. And I'm not saying it's 100% Trump's fault. 
I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's the fact that us as Americans side with our party lines in order to make decisions that we think are best for this country. You know, there's a reason why the Republicans say that we're not a true democracy, we're a republic. There's a reason why the Democrats say that we are a democracy. You know, there's a reason why that the things that the Republicans want and don't want to change the uh, the continental, excuse me, the um, the electoral college and a bunch of other things that go along with it, because that would change the whole structure of a republic. See what I'm going with this? And we side with those party lines. It, it's just here's a good example of what I'm talking about. And, I, and I've talked about this before, and I'm going to talk about it again. Because um, I'm on YouTube now, and I'm and the, the same listeners or watchers that were, weren't, that were watching last week on Twitch probably aren't the same now here now. But Trump said that if these kids don't go to school in the fall, he's going to start defunding schools. Okay. Everybody knows that, in reality, states state education is funded by states. I mean, that's how it goes. Except for, except for Title I schools which are the poor, low-income schools, and special education. Those are federally funded. Those are the, and then obviously charter schools and stuff like that, those are kind of those are federally funded as well. But the two programs that need the extra fucking money, which are low-income schools, Title I schools, and special education, he's threatening those kids. Really? How fucking dare he? It, it, it is outlandishly crazy that I'm sitting here having to have this conversation with you. And I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. Just what I just said just now should fire you up. Okay? Not the fact that kids should be going back to school. I'm not, that's not my point. Nope. Absolutely not. But the point that he would go as far to say that he is going to start defunding schools, which again, Title I and special ed are the only thing that federally funds it. And those are the kids that need it the most. What the fuck? My wife's a teacher. And she has to go to school in the fall knowing this kind of stuff, that she works for a Title I school. So she's going to be directly affected by this. These kids that come to school hungry every damn day aren't going to be able to get the lunches that, and the food that they need. You know, the kid that has Down syndrome isn't going to be able to get the education that he needs because our school systems and our school districts are sitting there saying it's safer for our kids to still be at home right now. Because they're looking out for the better benefit of our children, our future. Trump is saying, we're not going to give money to the special needs and the, the poor kids. I don't care what party line you are. That's fucked up. The reason why he wants all these schools opened up is because... Most schools, especially in the Virginia and all these other places, are fucking polling places. He thinks that if they can get them back into the polling places, 
he has a better chance of winning. Because the Republicans are more likely to go to the polling booth because they're the ones that are protesting wearing masks and not going and you know all this other crap that's going on. See where see where I'm going with this? This is a conspiracy theory completely drawn in my head as I'm talking. I'm just making sense. Don't call out facts. Don't say this. Don't. It has nothing to do with that. I might be 100% wrong. I'm just trying to put a different perspective inside your head. What I'm seeing is outrageous. It is shit like this has never been done in the history of the world. I, it's sad empathetic to where during election years shit like this always happens you know me too black lives matter you know um illegal aliens all this stuff that happens it's only a problem during election year a lot of false flags that are rose uh, that are risen during this time it, it's yeah, Trump's effed up, period. Thank you, Kim Richards. You're 100% right. Um, but again, this isn't a Trump bashing session. Because again, a lot of what he is doing, he's hearing from other people too, because he's he's corrupted. You know, he's hearing a lot of, he has too many people's hands in his pockets. Um, and again, I'm not blaming it solely on him. Because I know, I'm not that dumb to where I know that, you know, and I'm sure you're not either, to where we know that it's all his fault. It's beyond that. This has been going on for years. It's just now been <sighs> exemplified during this last four years and especially during the last seven months and 20 days. What is it going to take for us to get out of this? You know, years ago, I would have told you that it was going to be someone that went to office that wasn't a politician. Well, I've been proven wrong because <laughs> we all know what that happened like. Um, but I, but I, but I do still think that's the thing. I, I do think that it needs to be someone that's not a career politician that's not already corrupted. Someone that can just say "fuck you" and not really give a fuck. Someone like me. Can you imagine this this face being the president of the country? Because here's the thing, I'd probably have press conferences just like this. So you hear me on the 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news being, you think it's a fucking SOS call for help. Um, uh, you know, the, the point is, when are we going to figure it out? And we're, we can't rely on the politicians to figure it out for us. Because no matter what, it's always going to be divided by party lines. The impeachment process proved that um, 100% with the exception of one Republican. But the, it was exactly that. It was voted on party lines. Everything in this country is divided by party lines. Um, and now Cat's crying. Look at what happened. You made Cat cry. Literally, Cat's crying. Cat even used a cat, which is kind of funny. Right, I'm trying to make a joke. <laughs> I'm sure she did that on purpose. Um, but I'm just, 
in awe. And I still am. Uh, it, it's 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 got to end. But it, here's the thing: it should end with us. It should end with us. We have got to make the change. We have got to stand up and make the the the. the we need to be the change we want in this world. You know, it's 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 getting redundant. But the same things we dealt with in the Nixon era and back even further than that, we're still dealing with today. We just need to step up, hold each other's hands and say, we're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. <laughs> All right. I'm done with the, the jokes. I'm trying to be serious. Um, but that's all I have for tonight. Um, guys, my first uh, day switching over from Twitch to YouTube has been fantastic. Um, still, you know, still a low view count, but I appreciate the ones that are here. Um, I know it's going to get bigger from here because normally every time um, – let me go ahead and tell you what's happening. So I, I moved from Twitch to here because I would take my Twitch videos and I would upload them straight to YouTube after the fact. And I would get more views on YouTube than I was on Twitch. And after talking to Kat, you know, her and I decided, hey, it might be a better idea just to move over. And on my first episode, I'm already exceeding that. Um, the thing about it is talk shows like mine, podcasts like mine that are virtual and I'm just kind of interacting with you and interacting with the guests. It's hard to get viewers. Um, as I said earlier, I'm getting about 15,000, 16,000 listens on my podcast now, but that does not translate to you coming online and listening and watching me on YouTube or Twitch. However, obviously YouTube is the way to go. So I do appreciate that. So please make sure you hit that button, hit that bell, to be notified when I go live next time, which will be tomorrow. I am live Monday through Friday, 8, 8 p.m. East, 5 p.m. Pacific. Tomorrow, I have um, world-renowned fashion designer Sue Wong on. She has put um, dresses and clothes on people such as Miley Cyrus and so many other big names. Um, so definitely check that out Wednesday. We have revolution for you. They are a protest band. I can't wait to get them on so we can have a nice conversation about the shit that we were just talking about today. Um, and then Thursday, um, I have a director on by the name of David McAbbey, um, who is releasing a movie called For the Love of Jesse. Take a look at that. And then uh, Friday, we have the last model standing, Wendy Stewart Kaplan, um, who is a model, actress, and a comedian. So that'll be a fun one. And then next week, I don't have anything yet. I will have some by the end of the week, though. Um, so that's the lineup for this week. Um, every day, 8 p.m. East, 5 p.m. Pacific, live right here on YouTube. Um, I appreciate you guys very, 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 very fucking much. Um, I hope to see you back tomorrow. Until then, peace.